Welcome to the Martial Mind Podcast. We are three training brothers describing the way Kung Fu interacts with our life, our health, and our relationships. Today, we have a very special guest, our teacher, the master, the warrior, Sifu Greg Zild. <laughs> then the crowd goes wild. The crowd We're just in, in a stadium man. with like very dis- like very disciplined people. There's Sixty thousand people just waiting. Stoic. Uh, yeah. One day, one day we'll do the the big live show at like thirty thousand people. We'll get the intro, get them to walk out on stage. We'll do like uh like let like Letterman's my next guest needs no introduction. Right. But he introduces right. them anyway. Um, you know. Um. So congratulations on the recent feature in the Deadly Art of Survival magazine. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That was. Uh, it's funny, I talk, to, I talk about it all the time and I say to myself, I played this lottery card for like 41 years, you know, of training and finally starting to get recognized, which is nice, which is, you know, it's, it's a lot, especially, you know, especially in the martial arts industry. So it's, uh, you know, it's just like everything else. Everything's political, right? If you don't rub elbows with the right people, you know, you don't get acknowledged. So, you know, uh, networking and who you know. Yeah, you know, it. it's, it's, it's all bullshit. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all good. Anyone looking to get into martial arts, just know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all bullshit. Well, you know, there's, there's so, so martial arts isn't, so martial arts isn't regulated, right? So we all know that, uh, you know, people learn martial arts from other people. They decide to mix and match their, uh, their martial arts ability. And then they start opening up their own schools and calling it, you know, modern day this and modern day that. And, you know, just a, a neglected style of martial arts, which is not a bad thing, you know, but unfortunately you've got people that are teaching material that will not save or help anybody, mm. you know, and some of it is directed towards uh, society or, or, you know, uh, the community of trying to keep people off the streets, keeping the kids off the streets, which is good, you know, to a degree, but then uh, you have... You know, it's a martial art, so it, you should be learning something that's viable, right? So if you if you want to just keep kids off the street, then you know they should be going to a YMCA or something like that. If if that's the only reason why you're doing it, right? So if you're there to be teaching martial arts to people, then teach martial arts to people. You know, right. so don't just have a place that's for birthday parties with the yeah, you know, yeah. well, that's <laughs> like I said, YMCA. You know, it's there's so in today's society you know people don't even realize that martial arts schools are for adults how fucked up is that Uh, you know most most people when you talk to people they look oh you know my you know little johnny's going to you know martial arts and Everything is karate. Nothing is separated from karate. It's 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 only everything. <laughs> Even my extended family is like, "How's karate how's going?" Karate, karate is great. I play karate, right? Yeah, so, yeah you know, no. Same thing with my mom. So, like, so how's jujitsu going? I'm like, I haven't done jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell my friends, I'm like, I've been training for ten years. Just get the name of what I'm doing right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what? And it's it's a shame. It's it's a shame. It really is. And that's society. And you know. I feel that, you know, being a traditional martial artist in today's society with MMA and everything else that's going on, uh, you know, it's so let me back up a little bit. The fact that MMA is around, which is a really good thing, but it's not uh, it's not that wasn't just made up 
10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. MMA is mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts has been going on in traditional martial arts. There are mixtures of Hungar is crane and tiger. So there's been mixed martial arts for thousands of years. It's not a fucking new concept, <laughs> right? It's not. And people got to wake up to that, right? And it's not the be all, win all, just because you can fight in a cage. You know what I mean? When you're talking about realistic situations outside in the street, you know, the pavement is cement. You're not, you don't want to roll around in cement. You know, okay. and, and, if, and if you have, you know, and I'm not saying that it's bad. I think the fact that MMA came into, uh, into uh, the, the, the fold here, I think what it did was it really woke up all these martial artists that weren't getting on the floor and fighting to wake the fuck up and get on the floor and start showing your ability. Because if you don't, then you're going to be passed up. And I think that was a good thing. I think, I think it was a good thing that it's, it's, it came around because it woke a lot of people up. And it also sifts out the bullshit. You know? Without a doubt. I mean, you saw the way that the Gracies just absolutely shattered the world of combat sports. You know, these small guys were taking down enormous dudes just with, with their, their BJJ and mixing it up. And that's, I feel like that's kind of been the perception of MMA has been like a mixture of floor fighting and jiu-jitsu. Well, how I feel about that is that the, 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 the modern perception is like mixed martial arts means to them Muay Thai, BJJ, and like a little bit of karate for your striking. And, yeah. and that's all people are aware of. Yeah. And they see Kung Fu, they hear Kung Fu, and they think like well, there's a famous video of that dude that walks in like in the Wing Chun stance into the octagon and he, you know, he's got like the Ip Man double like he, palm thing going yeah, on. And woke up doesn't like he get like smacked up. up like that? And he gets smacked in 30 seconds. Yeah. But there is somebody coming up in the one championship. I forget his name. Dude, but there he are trained so, at Shaolin. There are so many, there are so many Kung Fu stylists that are fighting right now. Uh, and now they're switching, MMA has switched to uh, a lot of the Sanda fighting. And there's a lot of Sanda fighters that, you know, came into the ring now. And they're really starting to wake up everything, you know. Uh, Muay Thai is great. Sanda I love. I've been doing that my whole life. So Sanda to me is just awesome. I love it. Um, How old were you when you first started competing in Sanda? I was like 13. Wow. You, you know? were competing. Yeah, awesome. I, was, uh, I was already. So, so. You know, before Sanda became really, really popular, you know, continuous fighting in the 80s and 90s was pretty much Sanda. The only thing that you weren't allowed to do was striking elbows. You know what I mean? Other than that, man, leg kicks to the, you know, kicks to the insides of the legs, outsides. There were sweeps. There were throws. It was continuous fighting. You know, these guys were like, okay, go. And you went for two minutes, you know, and you fought two-minute rounds, you know, and it was great. It was, it was awesome. So I got to experience a lot of fighting in the Sanda, in the ring, on the platform, uh, as well as uh, continuous fighting. I did, I did point fighting, too, because, you know, if, if that was around, that's what we did, you know. But for the most part, you know, getting in there, people could talk shit all they want. You know, and that, that's another thing. That's a whole nother ball of wax <laughs> when we talk about the Internet, right, because everybody's... Uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's got a mouth and everybody's got opinions, but they don't put up videos, they don't show anything, but their, you know, their opinion counts, which it doesn't. You're just awarded a black belt. Oh, dude, like it's just, you know, these, the these, these keyboard warriors, they talk so much shit because they're not worried about getting smacked in the mouth, you know? Without it, a doubt. You know what I mean? I, I was 15 years old with my teacher. We're in Chinatown. We're going to, we're on Mott Street, down, you know, below a fucking restaurant watching <laughs> watching these guys fight you know what i mean that that's what it was back then you know and uh my teacher brought me to the we went we were fighting in harlem we were fighting in 
in uh, Queens. We were fighting in the Bronx, you know, in a fucking basement where there were lolly columns like every 20 feet. You know, and that was the the rings. They would put the rings in between the lolly columns and shit, you know. And, you know, that was fighting. You know what I mean? Going to a tournament and watching somebody's cup get broken from a front kick. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was, that was competition. People getting their noses broken. I had my eye gouged. I had my eye gouged in a tournament wow. where I was fighting and I was beating the shit out of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> And I got eye gouged, and the guy eye gouged me, I dropped to my knees, and all I remember is my teacher pushing me to the floor and telling me not to move, and he grabbed my eyelash, he grabbed a bunch of my eyelashes and pulled my eyelid out from around my eyeball. Whoa. And then I got up and I was like, I could continue. I couldn't fucking see shit. I could still fight, you know. I couldn't even find the fucking bathroom. You're like facing the other corner. Yeah, of the well, I, I I developed iritis from that, right? Because my eye went into shock, so I was seeing double of everything, oh, you know. Wow. So it was it was it was bad. I wanted to fucking kill that guy. Oh, um, man. Understandably you know, so. But you know, but it's that's and and you know what? All he got was you know disqualified. I think I think he right, got disqualified, right. or he didn't even get disqualified because it was a mistake. And I couldn't continue right. as much as I wanted to. I couldn't. I just saw a double, you know, at that point. So uh, it was it was a different era of fighting, you know. And nowadays, you, these, most of these guys are pussies. You don't really hear about basement eye gouges very often. <laughs> yeah, no, dude. It's you know, and it's and it's it's just you know, a, it is what it is, you know. And I think the MMA was good because it brought about a lot of stuff. And the fact that the kung fu stylists get such a bad rap, it's not anybody else's fault but their own. Kung Fu stylists don't fight, right? So the majority of them don't fight. The majority of them. The majority of them. <laughs> they don't fight. You know what? They go to competition. They perform their forms. They do their fake little two-man sets, right? Which are great. And then they pack their shit up and leave, you know? And in New York, there was only a handful of us, Kung Fu stylists that fought, you know? And my teacher, you know, uh, Sifu Zorocho, you know, when we were coming up, you know, during the dojo bashing era where we would go to dojos and close schools up and shit. It was, you know, it was a different era of, of, of living the life of a martial artist, you know. And, you know, him, Zongshir Creighton, Sifu Raul Ortiz, you know, a handful of these guys, you know, Ralph Mitchell. These guys were the ones that brought about the respect of Kung Fu stylists. You know, after a while, when I was walking into tournaments you know my my teacher and i we, we would go into tournaments like 10 people deep and people would be like oh these are the kung fu guys that fight that's what we were known for you know our forms look good our weapons look good but fuck we fought so you know and me going to the bronx or harlem you know and back then it wasn't like weight divisions or anything like that it was pretty much all right stand behind the guy you want to fight type of a thing you know everybody line up behind the people you want to fight. And I had a fucking line behind me, man. I was the, I was the short little skinny white boy wearing a kung fu outfit. Dude, people wanted to beat the shit out of me, you know? So I was, I was fighting. <laughs> I had a fight, you know? So it was, it, was, uh, it was interesting. It was a very interesting era. Now with, um, how would you say with um, Sandoff fighting was, what was kind of the differences between like 
experiences of like local tournament circuit versus like fighting like internationally like was 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 one more sandan platform fighting where one was more point sparring like based off where you were like 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 local well, tournament versus more well, local tournaments a lot of a lot of tournaments a lot of continuous fighting tournaments were either underground tournaments in chinatown or we would end up going into jersey because jersey had a little less of a what you're allowed to do and what you're allowed not to do a lot of tournaments were in Maryland, um, so that was, a, that was definitely an interesting thing. Uh, fighting in the Philippines and fighting in Thailand was pretty cool because, uh, you know, it's... And what brought you there? What, what, what ended up My cousin. <laughs> oh, okay. My cousin invited me, I think. Uh, well, I know, he, he invited me to, to come and uh, experience out of the country type of a thing, and he was in Thailand, so I visited a couple... Uh, uh, Thai boxing places down there and they're so people are so nice down there dude. I've it's, heard. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's so different People get into car accidents and they smile at each other. Everyone's just smoking and smiling. That's yeah <laughs> dude, I'm telling you it was it was the nicest place. I got I got lost I got on the wrong bus one day So my cousin's like all right, I'll see you later on today So he went to work and I got on the wrong bus and ended up in fucking a whole nother part of Thailand Oh, geez. Oh, and, I, you know, barely people speaking English and everything else. And, you know, people were, like, super, super nice. They were, like, they were really nice. Yeah. You know, I found myself a hotel and uh, called up my cousin. I'm like, yep, I'm lost and da-da-da-da-da. He's like, all right, well, this is where you have to go to get back. And um, so it was, it was interesting, you know. And I was, uh, I was fighting a couple people. I went to a, a local Thailand uh, 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 place there and we were fighting and everything else and you know I got in the ring and everybody was nice nobody nobody was trying to kill each other or anything like that and uh, the guy gave me his shorts as a respectful <laughs> type of a thing of fighting shorts okay you know and I thought that was pretty cool and I could I mean I tried fitting into them I couldn't fit into them to save my had life. he had he just worn those or <laughs> is it a fresh pair yeah I don't think <laughs> they were a fresh pair but I think it was you know I, it just, I thought that was a, a pretty cool gesture you know so um, I thought that was neat and um, they're just, like I said, the, the nicest people that I've yeah. ever met in my life. And, uh, and it was in the Philippines. And, you know, these are, uh, you know, it's, it's different than being in, in the U.S. So, you know, you go to like a mall and you have, you have young kids like 17, 18, 19 years old. They've got shotguns as security guards and they got wow. like three teeth in their mouth, you know, and you're like, yow, you know, like, <laughs> do not mess with that kid. Yeah, These guys you know? have been through some shit yeah, already. Dude, yeah. It's like, I what went, is, what is in that Skechers that like, yeah, like went, Jesus, he, he may I, be went, 13. I was in the Philippines and I went running, I went jogging to train in the morning and I came back and my cousin was fucking yelling at me. He's like, dude, you just don't get up and go running in fucking the Philippines. Like you just don't go running down the street. Right. Like, you don't even know where you are, you know? Right, right, right. I was like, it was all good. I was listening to music. He's like, yeah, no, it doesn't work like that, dude. You know, it's like, it's like going to these Culture places shock. where people get fucking taken. You get and, Liam Neeson. No, yeah, yeah. dude, totally, you know? And it, and it happens. It happens every day, you wow. know? And here I am, you know, just do, 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 have my headphones on completely non martially aware of my mm. surroundings, right? Which I teach everybody. How old were you at the time? Uh, I was in my 20s. I didn't give a shit. You know, it was a little, it's a little different. You yeah. know, it was a little different. I was in my late 20s and, you know, full of cum and, you know, <laughs> didn't give a shit. And you know what I mean? Just thought I was, you know, <clears throat> pissing vinegar and salt. And I was, I was, you know, in my head, I was the toughest person. I'll kill anybody. Right? Yeah, 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 and yeah. It just yeah, doesn't yeah. work like that when it's like seven people grabbing you and, and One fucking put a fucking, you. yeah, put a, a hood on your neck, you know, around your head and <laughs> zip tying your fucking hands. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. wasn't even thinking of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
Now I know. Am I that, talking too much? No, oh my God! No, great. no. This is awesome. this is why you're here. So you know, um, we're here really to hear awesome. from you. They, 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 yeah, they hear the from us. Listen to us. Hear from us. We're all eleven the time. episodes deep of hearing from us. Yeah, we're um, really. We just want to let you run. You know, like they hear our voice every episode. So you're here. It's very special. To we us, we so. don't talk like we try not to tell your stories for you, but we do reference you constantly and the lessons that you've taught us. So it's really cool to hear hear it come to life. You know, right. and it's gonna be really awesome for everybody. There's to hear, so, so many stories. It's there were so many things, it's like fights and stuff that we did. With, I, I just the experiences that I have, I'm just really, I'm happy because there's a lot of people and there's a lot of teachers that don't have the experience, right? And they don't have the fighting experience, right? So they're teaching shit online, and you know, oh, you take your fingers and you, you know, you 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 stick them through the eyeballs. This shit doesn't work Snake like that. Snake spits. Yeah, Snake spits you know, fucking chakra kid rock martial arts type yeah. shit. Stop the groin. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> stop the, the groin, groin like seven times, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so shit doesn't work like that. And if you haven't really experienced martial arts, now, I'm probably, there's probably going to be people that are going to be upset. But, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, my teacher used to explain it this way. If you're teaching martial arts, if you're teaching somebody how to fight, and... You could be two types of doctors. One could be somebody who's read books and is really book knowledge and somebody who actually used a scalpel and opened somebody up. Who would you rather, who would you rather train with? Right. Who would you rather get operated on? You know, I, I don't give a fuck how much knowledge you have. But if you have zero experience and you don't know what it's like to be under pressure, if you haven't pressure tested your martial arts, right, there's a problem. And not every... So, I'm not going to be an airplane, you know, I'm not going to be a fucking pilot. My eyes suck. I'm never going to be a pilot. I've got to be okay with that. I'm never going to be the president. I'm okay with that, right? Mm -hmm. So not everybody's going to be a black belt, and you all should be fucking okay with that. Yeah. That's just kind of how it is when you think about it, right? So unfortunately in today's day, you know, this is a black belt school. Everybody, everybody could be a black belt. No, not everybody should be a black belt. Not everybody's going to be a good cook. Not everybody should be working on fucking cars, because you'll get somebody fucking killed. Not everybody should be a martial artist. It is that, let me, let me rephrase that. Everybody should be a martial artist, but not everybody should be a black belt. That's just how life is. But it's in true today, with anything. But in today's day, everybody gets a trophy, everybody gets patted on the back, everybody gets stroked, you know, and, and unfortunately, it just brings about a false sense of security and brings about a weaker sense of martial arts. No, I oppose the question to you guys. When somebody goes, yeah, I'm a black belt. What do you feel about that? Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you guys, what do you feel about that? When I generally says, don't take it too seriously. Yeah, when somebody says they're a black, that's fucking crazy, dude. It, yeah, no, you're, I agree with that. There's a lot of, like, because I've seen it in action where people say they're a black belt and they just get waxed. Like, they, where they, they, yeah, they don't have it. Or, or we, we've been out. You and I have been out together and, like, giving each other the side eye as somebody's, like, talking at us. Like, oh, you guys do martial arts together? You know, like, I take know. Take a pamphlet. We used to train. Like, we used to train with live blades. And we used to do this, that, and the third. I'm like, yeah, and you all yeah. still have your ears and nipples and everything. And you, used to, you, used to, and you trained with live blades. <laughs> Really great. Yeah. No, 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 you with five nipples guys. Because it's too violent. But we yeah. train with live blades. It's too, it's, sure. too, it's too deadly. I can't show you. It's too yeah. deadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Or like, or like the big fat dude that that <clears throat> takes the slides out of the guns. Oh yeah, still yeah. Pointed at his chest yeah, yeah, and everything yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah, when you, you slide know? it back, yeah, and yeah. actually put the fucking bullet in the chamber. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. It's, yeah, it's, it's that's good what that does. Yeah, good job. Good job. It's funny. It's funny too because I had I remember when I was in probably early to mid high school and there was a kid who was in our friend group who like 
we kind of, kind of became very unfriendly. And I was like, and I thought, I was like, oh my God. I was like, someone told me, like, oh, he's a black belt in karate. And I was like, oh shit. Oh, and then, but, but then, yeah, like, but, kid, but me and like, the, oh me, me, and the whisper it. Yeah. Oh, no. me in the past, yeah, like something's gonna happen. Like, right? in that moment, I would look at him and I'd be like, I mean, he doesn't look like, 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 I didn't get the impression that he, but I was still like, well, well he's a black belt. We're like, we're now when people say that, I'm more, I'll pry a little bit more. Like, of oh, course. what do you, what do you train? Like, what's your, you yeah, know, what's your knowledge base? And also, like, how do they carry themselves? Yeah. Like, even in, even if we're at, Usually a lot of times too, I'm sure everyone has this experience where if we have a booth somewhere and someone's a martial artist and they're up talking to you, you know, me looking at who's talking to you, I can usually get a good feel of who is actually training based off how they stand, how they carry themselves, oh, how, they, how they talk and, to yeah, you. Yeah, and how I respond when I start like shrinking in my, uh, when I start shrinking in my seat <laughs> and trying to get away from them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because I, like I said, back then when people talked about being black belts, it was, it was heavy duty. So uh, yeah, so the, the biggest thing is, is, is that, you know, it's is where is our martial arts going in today's day? And that's, you know, that's a fucking shame. It really is. It's, it's a shame. Yeah, it seems like everybody wants the title without putting in the work. Yeah. You know, everybody it, wants it. There's been a draw to it forever. Like, they're, they're going back to stories about, you know, just exposing people. Uh, when I was in Ocala, I think I might have told you guys this story. Uh, in Florida, there was a pub across the street from the hotel. I went over there to have a couple beers, and there was a punching machine. You know, like you hit the bag, and it gives you the score. Oh, you and, told me this story. Oh, it's a great yeah. story. I, I, so needless to say, we were there. I was, I was uh, you know, hitting the bag with a few people. It was a lot of fun. And this one guy was just like, hey, man, like I used to do ninjutsu for like seven years, but it's been a long time. Like he I'm came a little in on rusty. A line, like he, was he came like, in <laughs> off the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> he barrel smoke. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Where you I go? Just, I knew immediately, like, all right, well, let me see what you got. And just like, there's nothing there. It was just, it was completely empty, empty punch. Just haymaker way just, outside, yeah. you know. It's the punching power uh, of like sour cream. It's like, when yeah, I, it's been a while. <laughs> when I, there was this it's dude. It's been a while. Yeah. Really? Like, like forever. So, I'll say, so <laughs> like a lifetime. I, I got a, so Sifu and I, we went to Myrtle Beach and uh, we finished doing our, our seminar. We went to Cold Stone to get ice cream, right? So everybody's got their weakness. Mine's ice cream, right? So we went to Cold Stone. And then I only have 20 minutes because after that I gotta I gotta be in the bathroom, so everything's gotta <laughs> be time. You okay. don't put on any weight; it's yeah. evacuated immediately. It's like a cleanse. It's like a evacuation. It's like a cleanse. Yeah, it's definitely an ice cream cleanse, right? Yeah. So, so we're at the esophagus right. right. ice cream yeah. cleanse. So we're at so we're at uh, we're at Cold Stone and we're talking and everything else. And um, guy behind the counter, you know, he's, he sees us come in right away. Oh, martial arts, blah 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 blah. So he's like, oh, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I'm like, all right, so, you know, how long you been training? The kid looks like he's 17, right? It's 18, maybe. Oh, I've been training for years. I'm like, okay, how long you been training for? You know, he's like, well, you know, I stopped when I was younger, like when I was 13, but, you know, and he's, and, but I'm good. Uh, he goes, I'm good now. I've got my skills. <laughs> it's been 28 years. Hold on, you've got <laughs> your skills. You stopped when you're 13, you're 17, and because you think you learned it once, yeah that you keep the material, and it doesn't work like that, right? So martial arts is perishable. I tell people that all the time. That's my, my main concept to talk to people is that martial arts is a perishable art. If you don't practice it, you don't retain it. You, you, you might retain a slight bit of material, but your timing is off, your awareness is mm. off, your punching skill, your power, you know, your breath, that's all gone. That all goes away in time. You know, so you need to be up and practicing constantly. And at 51, I'm still training every day. I'm still practicing regardless of my joints hurting and everything else, right? You know, it's life. Life is hard. Be happy that 
I'm happy that I'm at 51. You're you know? also not locked into – one thing I really appreciate about you is that you're not locked into like this is the way I do things. Like you're always trying new things, always experimenting, always trying new exercises and workouts and different ways to heal your joints and make things better. If you ever tweak anything or whatever, you're always wrapping yourself up. You're like you take good care of yourself and you've been a, a, like, a, like a testament to us about like how we can keep ourselves going. Well, I, well I'm so beat up that I really haven't been taking care of myself physically, right, with my knees and my joints and everything because you know in my 20s I never stretched you know I was good to go and then in my 30s I just stretched a little bit you know what I mean and then all of a sudden shit started to hurt at like late 30s into my 40s you know and then I just kept doing that and you know now 51 and you know I got to stretch every day and everything else but you know stuff that I learned from you know from you Ed as far as exercises and everything else of course I'm going to take that into you know, of course I'm going to use it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's stuff that I need to, to help. And my knees have been better, you know, my calves, but you know, it's, you're getting older. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy I'm at 51. You know, my mom died when she was 42. My father died at, at 83, but I mean, he, you know, he had congestive heart failure. His father mm. died from congestive heart failure. You know, as far as I know, my heart's okay, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm eating right and I'm exercising and everything else. So, you know, we're all predisposed to what our parents have, have given us, right, as far as genetics go. But, you know, we have a, a better fighting chance if we stay healthy and we train. I've seen people my age and they can't even walk up a flight of stairs, let alone, you know, do forms and fighting still and, and everything else and be able to have that quality of life, you know? Yeah, and, and I mean, that's, uh, that goes back to a theme that, the, that we've, all, we've talked about in prior episodes as well, is, is that martial arts really puts your health under a magnifying lens. Mm -hmm. Like if something is off about your mobility, it's going to be apparent doing what we do. And people think that just being able to walk up a flight of stairs without passing out is like, oh, I, I've, I don't... <laughs> I'm in shape. Yeah, exactly. They think I'm in shape because I, I can make it to the top yeah. stair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they no. think that that's a definitely a health metric. Or like, I walk around the mall. Yeah, because people don't, they don't measure mobility as a metric of health. And I think that's a real, like, we're really hurting ourselves by that. I, there, there are actual mall walkers. Did you know this? No. When I, I worked at the mall Starbucks and we'd get there early to open up, there'd Dude, be like these old ladies. My wife and I are mall walkers. <laughs> you walk but around you the did. mall? Yeah. No, well, I mean, they come before everything's open. Yeah, Rachel. Rachel and I do that all the time. Oh, really? That's yeah. awesome. We do it all the time, but it's it's that's not you know. I mean, I'm still here hitting bags and yeah, but out you do so much yeah. more than that. Yeah, but but, but yeah, but we Walmart we mall walk all the time, all the time, dude. And it's it's the funniest shit, you know. And we're like walking billboards. We always <laughs> wear the kung fu stuff, you know. We're always wearing our our, our advertisement, you know. Do some people watching. I, um, I think yeah. too. I love people watching. People are so stupid. I love I love watching people. People are so funny. I think what's funny. interesting too is is with martial arts, and we've definitely talked about it's kind of similar to this point of with the magnifying glasses, it brings for me at least when it comes to fighting, it brings fitness to such a different standard in the yeah. sense of, oh, I could be in shape, oh I could do thirty push ups, I could do this, I could do burpees, I could get through like a, a hit training class at like a gym. Yeah. But it's like, okay, now fight someone who knows how to fight for three minutes straight. It's just, it's a different, just a different level of like, okay, well, now I have to deal with not only having enough energy to fight back, but also counter what they're doing and also deal with the anxiety of fighting all at the same time. Like all it's, at the it's same crazy. time, yeah. So again, so that brings my, that brings me up to understanding being able to pressure test your material. So if you're feeling anxiety and you're, you're fighting all the time and you're training all the time, imagine somebody who hasn't 
Mm. And they don't have that That's pressure true. testing mindset. I don't care how good you are kicking the air, doing your make believe stuff, whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? If you don't, ha- if it's not pressure tested, if you're not fighting against somebody moving organically, then you have no idea how somebody's going to move and how somebody's going to do it. I'm just Sorry, I just his face to the microphone. <laughs> I, I've literally never done that in my life. I went like that and hit my face like, in the microphone. He's like went to look at the computer and smashed his face to the microphone. Sorry, oh, I didn't Jesus mean to interrupt Christ. you. That was oh, that's all right. That's fucking amazing. We tried, oh we tried to be adults so hard like while I that was happening. I couldn't ignore it. it. Like, I couldn't ignore it. Um, so one thing that um, you brought up a lot to us is how, how much Sergio Moses instilled in you that like to uphold the culture of what you do. Yeah. So as a Sifu in the modern age, how, how do you feel that the, the, the modern cultural reception of people doing Kung Fu is? What do you mean? Like, how do you feel people look at us when we get up there and perform Kung Fu? I think people enjoy it. I think people enjoy watching it, but they don't have a fucking clue what they're seeing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think performing in front of other martial artists you get more recognition of people understanding what you're mm. doing and know the complexity of it, right? Because, right, right, right. you know, I, I do a three-section staff, and, you know, I've been doing it since I was 12, 13. I picked up a three-section. I've been working with it, you know? Um, and, you know, here I am spinning a three-section staff and being able to do these techniques, and it looks easy. You know, so people don't understand mm. the complexity of the weapon. I think it's just cool. Yeah, they're like, yeah, oh, right. he's spinning it around. You pick that thing up and you fucking spin it oh around. My God. Let's see what happened, you know? That you, was a, we <laughs> we've had plenty of, plenty we of PTSD had like a episodes whole episode about it. Episode, like, we had like two episodes, ago, I think it was at this point, where we talked about... <clears throat> two in a row. And then, and, and, then, yeah. and, then, and then people talk about, oh, well, you know, well, you're not going to walk around with the weapon like that. It's not about... Underst- it's understanding body mechanics, right? So we're understanding how the weapon works. It's understanding body mechanics, and then it's understanding of breaking that form down and being able to apply the weapons to open-hand drills and open-hand techniques. Right. You know, that's, that's a whole nother level of martial arts. You know, people talk about ground fighting and everything else. You know, ground fighting wasn't discovered by the fucking Gracies. Ground fighting has been around forever. Ground fighting has been around forever. You know, in, in Shaolin and Chinna, you know, the chin-up techniques that we do, which is the seizing and locking techniques, are adapted to ground fighting. It's adapted to what you're doing, but because a lot of martial artists haven't taught that and their teachers haven't taught them, it gets lost in the translation. So there's a lot of stuff that isn't done. You know, we teach, I teach my chin-up. While we're on the ground, I teach chin-up. You know, I teach the most valuable thing is to not turn your back towards your opponent. It's the stupidest thing that people do, but people run away from pain. So they turn their bodies. And once your stomach is on the floor, you're in such a bad position that you're going to be taken out one, two, three. You know? And as long as you're, you're facing your fears, as long as your eyes are towards your opponent, you have a fighting chance of everything that right. you're doing. And if you remember your short joint locks and grabbing collarbones and squeezing those collarbones till they snap or going for the eardrums, right? Or going for the eyes or going for the hook underneath the jaw, there's so, the throat, you know, there's so many things that, you know, in, inst- instinctively you go to, sh- you know, striking with a leopard's ball right to the throat, you know, that stops shit real quick. Fold their windpipe real quick. Yeah, it's, it's, it really does, you know. And when you're thinking about saving your life and everything else, this shit all goes, you know, shit all goes south real quick. 
I think people just really they see the cage. It's what's popular, and they see what goes on in there. Don't and, get me, don't yeah. get yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think the Gracies did a great thing, undercover, undercover like. But they did a great thing by bringing bringing up the the inability to fight in certain situations. I think that's a great thing that they did because it made everybody else step up their game, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's a really good thing. You know, so I'm not, I, I, I don't dispel it at all. I think that it's important to learn and understand uh, ground game and understand it, right? But there's certain places to use it and certain places not to use it, right? Mm -hmm. So there's got to be, there's got to be a place for everything, right? So every style has their limitations and you have to know those limitations and you have to understand them as whether it's a sport or a non-sport or a martial arts or something that's meant for street, you know? They were, you know, they were, they were teaching BJJ to air marshals for years. So the concept is, why the fuck would you teach ground techniques on a plane when there's no ground on the plane? You've got an aisleway that barely somebody who is 180 pounds can fit on laying down. Why would you be teaching these people these techniques when you should be teaching chair self-defense where somebody's in a chair or in a small area small movement and going for small joint locks not large joint locks right so there's there's certain things that like in our society you know it's it's kind of really weird that they were doing stuff and i had air marshals come to me in groups and i was teaching them our viable self-defense you know i've had the military i've had the the marines uh, i've taught the marines uh, our martial arts and everything else, you know, and then I've had guys from the Marines from here, you know, graduate from our school, end up going into the Marines and teaching our martial arts to the DIs and to the people there. So, you know, we're giving back to our community too, you know. That was right around, I think I was like a yellow or a high yellow sash when you got that letter from that the Marine Corps CEO. Yeah, man. Asking your permission to teach, yeah. to teach the stuff. And I tell people that all the time and they think I'm bullshitting and I'm like, we have the fucking letter at the school. Come look. Yeah. Come look. People don't know. And people think that, like, I get a lot of times, like, oh, well, if you're so into it, like, and you're, and you're young, like, how come you haven't fought professionally? And I'm like, I only just got my, my black sash. Like, the shit took time, you know? Yeah. And I'm not that good. I'm, I'm still learning. We're, yeah, we're but, just but, students. But fighting professionally, what does that mean? Right. What, is that, what does that mean? So, so today's, today's delusion of fighting professionally means that you're going to be a great street fighter. And that's bullshit, too. Because if you haven't pressure tested out in the street, you don't know how things go, you know, it's doesn't, there's no fight, there's no fair fights, you know, people are biting, people are grabbing, people are doing short joint locks, people are grabbing eyes and all sorts of shit, dude. And you know what, it's not going to be clean where somebody's going to, you know, look at you and go, you're ready to fight and go, you know, it doesn't work like that. People get blindsided all, all day long, dude. And it doesn't matter how good of a fighter you are there. You always have a chance of getting knocked out. Always. It doesn't matter how great you are. The greatest fighters in the world got knocked out. And if the greatest fighters get in the world get knocked out, you sure as shit are going to get knocked out one time, one time or another. Yeah, people forget Tyson's lost. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to expand on that pressure testing, um, we've talked a lot about like my black test test. We've talked a lot about Ryan's preparation for his upcoming black test yeah, test. Man. Would you tell the story of your black test test? Would I tell it? Yeah. Like, yeah can, can you tell the story of your? Because we know it, but it yeah, would be I mean, awesome I, I guess so. I mean, so our black sash tests were like three days long. They were three days long, and it, it wasn't like a, a one, two, three type of a thing. And I remember the first part of my test. You know, I was 
I was working out with my instructor and we finished working out for the whole night and he's like, okay, your test starts now. I was like, what? You know, like I, and I was prepped. I, I, I was being prepped, you know, I was training and everything else, but you I didn't know what was coming, but you didn't know when. I didn't know when. And that was it. And that's how it started. And it was a fiasco. It was fucked up, you know? So, and self-defense was, you know, self-defense was, you know, 20 minutes long. It wasn't like we do self-defense for like 10 minutes, maybe, maybe eight minutes, nine minutes. This was 20 minutes of self-defense where, you know, people were grabbing me one after the other. Then I had groups of people dragging me across the floor and, you know, all sorts of fucked up shit. And then sparring. I had so many people punching and kicking and elbowing me, right? So they put pads on the elbows and they were elbowing me and kicking me. People were pushing other people out of the way just to get to me to kick me. So it was, it was, it was besides stressful, it made you adapt to that type of a mm. situation where you don't panic, right? Because you're panicking and shit's still, you're still getting hit. You're still getting, right, right, right. you know, you're still getting banged around, you know? And um, it was a lot. It was, like I said, it was a three-day test. And what, this, were the, what were the days broken down into? How was it? So the first, so it was weird because after working out, that was part of, you know, two hours of working out was part of the beginning of the test. And then right into that, he was like, all right, self-defense. Mm. And then it's sparring. So I did that all first. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really weird. It was a little different, you know, because that's, it was, so I worked out for two hours and then right away, all right, we're starting your test. Let's see some self-defense. I was like, what? Like, what the fuck? Oh, no. Like, I'm not like mentally ready and right, I'm right. kind of hungry right now. You know? <laughs> Gotta get so, a McChicken in yeah, first. So yeah, so that's kind of how it all started. And then, you know, then it was broken down into, you know, it was broken down into calisthenics and forms. And then it was broken down, oh, calisthenics and forms. And then broken down into calisthenics and weapons. And, mm. and um, we had, uh, we had pages to, to, to write and we had a written test that we had to do as well. And it was, a, it was three days of craziness. Wow. You know, three days of craziness. And it was just, it was just different. It was just a different, a different time, you know? But I remember I was a green sash at tournaments and my teacher was giving me a black sash to wear and I had to compete against black sashes when I was a green sash. <laughs> That's so badass. You could make that into a Netflix series. Dude, it was, just, oh, it, yeah. was, it was just so funny because that's, that's what my teacher did. He threw black sashes on all of us. He was like, all right, go ahead and fight. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm only a green sash. I, okay, don't worry about it. Now, um, You'll and, be all right. And again, if it's okay with all of you guys, um, I've, I'm definitely curious because, again, we're, we're getting bits and pieces of, um, you know, your mid-training, later, later training, getting into black, and also uh, bits and pieces of, of Sherdram Moses. Um, but... I would love to know a little bit more if we could like pull it back a little bit to you starting with Sher Zhao and just kind of your initial journey into into martial arts. So in the in the early eighties. Early eighties, yeah. So geez. So I started when I was ten. So I would say, yeah, early eighties when I s when I started. Um it was different. It was a different mindset. You know what I mean? So being a kid at 10 years of age, I was walking down to the store, you know, by myself. I was, uh, you know, doing everything by myself because my father was working all the time and everything else. But so you were kind of a latchkey kid. Yeah, I was not kind of, yeah. I was, 
I was the epitome of fucking latchkey kid, you know. So um, it was it was it was bad because so my mom died when I was seven and I was a fucking basket case. So I'm not you know I, I wasn't I wasn't the uh, I wasn't the type of I wasn't the type of kid that uh, grew up with with everything that I can do, you know. Uh, you know, I wasn't I didn't have everything at my disposal. You know, my father was barely making it. He was dealing with, a, you know, he was dealing with two kids, my older brother and myself, and my older brother was a fucking mess too. And um, so we were just growing up, and uh, it was rough. So I was 10 years old, and I was, I was really bad, right? So I was, at seven, my mom died, and throughout those years, I, w I went to Canada. Uh, I came back home. I was still a mess, and I was getting into fights all the time. So my father just told me, you know, he's like, well, we can enroll you. There's a martial arts school right down the road. So we can either enroll you into a martial arts school or boxing or whatever we can find um, and figure out what's going on or else you're going to end up, you know, you're going to end up dead by the time you're like 17 or 18, you know. And um, we found, I found Shajan Moses. He was down the road. He, they just opened up a martial arts school, you know, the, they were still painting the walls and stuff. And it was really cool. And. I got involved there and uh, you know my father didn't have a lot of money and my teacher kind of saw that and because I was like one of the first ones in you know they kind of help us out they they help people out so uh, you know he said as long as you clean the clean the floor every day and before you go home clean the floor and you know we'll, we'll make it work we'll figure it out so he saw that that I had anger and I had um, I had motivation <laughs> you know and that's, that's where it all started, you know? And I was very, very fortunate. When I was 13 um, and 14, my teacher introduced me to Sifu Raul Ortiz and Zog Creighton and all these great martial artists that he knew. And to me, that was the norm. So growing up watching these guys fight and I was brought into the Bronx where uh, Sifu Raul school was and watching these guys wear football gear during, during, you know, for self-defense so that they wouldn't get hurt because they were applying their techniques for real. That was an eye-opener for me, you know? And then going to Queens with Zong Shur School and watching these guys beat the shit out of people. You know, their faces, people that walked in that school, they had, you know, they, they walked out looking like like uh, chopped meat. You and know what, what were the, um, the styles of Sifu uh, Raul? Sifu Raul Ortiz um, teaches uh, Mantis. Uh, Zong Shi teaches an eclectic style um, that Long Fu Pai that he does uh, that he teaches, which is an eclectic style of uh, you know Hungar. Uh, he's got Bak Mei, mainly Bak Mei, but Bak Mei Hungar. Um, he does have Mantis. You know, there's a couple of other styles in there that he teaches and everything else. So uh, I would like I said the uh, the amazing thing about it is just being brought up with all these instructors all the time. You know, so that was a big thing for me, but that was the norm. So watching these people compete and watching them fight and everything else, that was the norm for me. So when I watched other people do martial arts, it was like, what the fuck are they doing? You know what mm. I mean? Like, it didn't make any sense. So, so that was it, you know? So growing up, you know, the good thing, the, the interesting thing is, is that growing up uh, with, my, with my Sifu is he originally wasn't allowed to teach his style of Gong Fu. Uh, here in the States, uh, he's, his teacher said that Americans are really lazy, which we are. He's not wrong. He's not it's wrong. It's a fair, fair yeah. estimate. And so, so the audience knows, where is uh, Shurjao from? Uh, Ponce, from Puerto Rico. 
you know so um also Seagull, i was just gonna say if you could bring the mic a little closer to you is this better that is yeah. uh, that is better yeah okay so i'll i'll talk like this yeah, just like that um yeah so uh it was it was definitely uh definitely interesting so when i first started my teacher chose 10 of us to teach kung fu to while we were learning shotokan karate that's what the school was originally shotokan yeah so his so uh, sifu moses's partner was teaching shotokan karate and uh sensei john was an amazing uh karate stylist so we were learning that and learning kung fu at the same time which is a really hard and weird thing to do um but after a couple years he developed a bunch of us and had his teacher come to check us out and everything else so that worked out really that worked out really really well so uh, it's like a school within a school. <laughs> well, kinda, you know, because we were fighting different than normal Shotokan fighters, and I never really thought anything of it, you know. I never really thought anything of it, and then you know it all made sense afterwards. After you started learning the kung fu, it all started to kind of yeah, it all kind of came together, you know. So I mean, I have, you know, I have a first degree in Shotokan, but I don't, I don't show it off. I don't put up my certificate. You know, I don't do anything like that because to me, it's not, it's not what I train. Mm. It's great, but I learned it a long time ago, you know, and it's not what I train. So and I think that should humble people that, you know, like you were saying, like haven't trained in 20 years and consider themselves black belts. You're still training every day. Yeah. I see you, I see you working out every <clears throat> single day. And you, even you say that, you know, it's that skill is perishable. And I think you still remember all your katas too. Like I remember. I've seen, you, I've seen you do some yeah, of them. Yeah. I remember. I remember some of them. I remember some of them. I've know? seen you do some of them. You start busting yeah. them out. You're like, oh, it's still in there. You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's still in there somewhere. Yeah. I think what's I think what's cool too that we we talk about all the time, um, and and these are all things that you not only um, teach us about but also practice on the da- on on a daily basis is, you know, anytime we're working out or or me and Ed are working out and you know we'll just be working. Okay, you know, <clears throat> we're gonna do we're gonna work these two kicks for the next 30 minutes to an hour. We're just going to pass the bag back and forth because we always think and we tell the, the kids this when, when, we're, when, you know, when, when we're instructing, like, hey, like, when we're working or Seagung's working, so much of the time they are working the, like, just so much of the basics, just yeah. hitting a bag for yeah, 30 man. minutes, do, working, you know, roundhouse kick, punch, you know, where it's just, it's so, you know, just really, like, really hitting that road work. And I think that's really inspiring to see because it, it helps it keeps us motivated in doing those things and seeing kind of the final result of yeah, practicing and, that and, way and it's not even the final result right because right, i'm still right. a student i'm still training right so here this is so i watch people on tiktok all the time right <laughs> and you watch them do these techniques and they're shooting elbows to the air and they're doing all these techniques and they're not even practicing hmm. the body mechanics of hitting the impact with your elbow right because they don't know what the impact is going to be you know, you see these people doing these self-defense techniques where, you know, they're grabbing the arm and they're, they're breaking the arm and then they're taking the arm and they're moving it a different direction. It doesn't work like that. Once you break the elbow, once you break that arm, it's mush. There's nothing that you can manipulate anymore. It's just broken bones and flesh at that point, right? So how are you going to manipulate this guy's wrist to bring him down the other way? There's nothing there anymore. There's no more joint lock. You snap the joint, right? So there's got to be viable application. There's got to be, shit's got to make sense. Mm. It's got to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, 
then, then you're wasting time, yeah. right? So again, it's all about pressure testing. It's all about going back to your basics. It's all about learning where that impact is gonna be with the elbow and when you're striking with the elbow and how you're moving, where is the impact? Mm. Where does your body end up after you hit? Because you can't go through and then turn your body to set up for another technique. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. So that's where, when I talk about pressure testing your material, you have to know where the body is going to be. You have to be, we have to be a Sherlock Holmes in understanding, or a Batman, in understanding, <laughs> right, ba I'd rather use Batman, uh, in understanding more body, more body mechanics and um, how, the, how our skeletons work and how the joints mm. lock. And if we don't understand that, then we're not doing a justice for right. our martial arts, for right. our system, or for any martial arts for that matter. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember um, when I was first coming into like the, the advanced ranks, like green sash, purple sash, mm -hmm. and you and Sifu had first started to like let me hang out with you guys while you were working out. I remember there, you, there was a, I forget what days of the week it was, but it was always like, you sh if you showed up an hour early, you know you'd get to, if you showed up an hour early to train, you'd know they'd be hitting the bag. And like every now and then it would be like, okay, go in the corner and do your thing. And then every now and then it would be like, what are you doing? Get your gloves on. You know, like if we're working out, you're doing what we're doing. And it was just like, just leads across the floor, just front hand punches and knowing how to move and throw that one punch. Because you see the monk spade and the guandao and the three section staff and the drunken and the snake and the mantis and all this craziness. And you think every time you walk into the training floor, it's going to be all this variety and all this insanity. But the beauty and the precision in the variety comes from <clears throat> the... The, 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 the honing of the basics and, yeah. the, and the precision in the basics. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I was like, that's insane to, 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 see, to see like that when they work out, that's what they do. Just the very, very bare bones basics. And you get those super tight. And then next thing you know, it can apply yeah. to everything. Everybody else. wants the glory. Nobody right. wants to do the work. And that's, I, yeah, I say it all the time. Kobe, I think it was Kobe that had that uh, Kobe Bryant came out and interviewed work is one the day. Dream? Yeah, the work is the dream. He and was I, saying to people, I'm sorry, no, he, no, was, no, he, was saying, he was saying like, like everybody wants like the trophy and the standing up top and the being the champion. And he's like, he's like, that's not the dream. He's like, that's part of the dream. He's like, the work is the dream. He goes, when everybody left the gym and I was still there, that was the dream. He goes, when I was up before everybody else and I was working before they were working, he goes, that was the dream. The sweat, the blood, the tears, that's the dream. And nobody, nobody wants that. Nobody yeah. wants the, and, the hard work. And it's not, and it's not easy, you know? Uh, you know, I'm working out three days a week. I'm lifting three days a week, you know, and I'm not lifting to get huge. I'm lifting to stay in shape and I'm lifting to keep my muscles strong. And I'm lifting because it's an important part of understanding muscle growth and how the body works, right? Using muscle functionality. Mm -hmm. So work, I, I hate working out. I hate lifting. I fucking hate <laughs> lifting weights. <laughs> I fucking hate it. And if any, I, I mean, and there are the people school. that love it. Hey, God bless them. I fucking hate lifting weights, <laughs> but I do it, but I do it three days a week. You know what I mean? I hate fucking running. I hate running. You know, I'm not going to run away from somebody fighting. I'm going to fucking run towards them. Right. But less distance to run. Right. But, <laughs> but I do it because it helps my cardiovascular. I go over my forms because it helps my ability to transition my stances better right, while right. I'm fighting. I hit the bag for an hour because it teaches me how to be, um, to have that variety of techniques and be spontaneous uh, and more organic when I'm doing it. But honestly, it sucks to do all this work. 
but the outcome is so much more rewarding. And that's where you want to go with it. That's the key. That's the key right. is to understand that, that growth. And, and I think, too, what's um, just, just from our, our perspective as students, I think what makes this school so great and I think where real tradition, like for me in my experience with, with, you know, being a student in traditional martial arts, what working the basics and like, you know, becoming a more advanced student, you just have a more intense magnifying glass of what you need work on. And I think, again, because like, can I do an eagle kick? Can I do a butterfly kick? Yes. But when, for me, what I'm not even thinking about that anymore. I'm thinking about, fuck, it's like, we're doing, we're doing the leads across the floor. Like we're hitting bags and I'm like, and that felt like shit. And yeah, like, well, that's what I'm focusing well, on. Well, Thursday, is, what did know, we do? We were doing that lead and then we were, going just, into, we were going into yeah. the, those techniques after the lead. I'm like, go, oh, okay. So now we're doing, you know, short leg kicks and switch kicks and that's only three minutes. Mm. Right. And not feel good. Mind you, we <laughs> did this for an hour straight. We were hitting the bag for an hour straight, but it's a lot of work. And the first two rounds were literally just elbows. Yeah. Just straight elbows yeah, to the bag. It's, it's and even a, then. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Like you were saying, like just, just the three minutes of elbows to the bag, you feel what muscles are interacting with the impact and where you're going to need to kind of like program your mind to push yeah, through. Where does the other hand go? You know? Right, right, right. And you yeah. see all these people, they, they, they'll put their hand like on their face or... You know they're like this, and they just put a sleep mask on. Before and they, and it's okay. And it's you know, and it's okay. I mean, some of the techniques. I mean, if that's going to save you from getting cut on your face, that's fine, right? But you know, just because you put your hand there, it doesn't mean you're not going to feel the impact. Right. You know, that's the reality of it. Yeah, you're not going to get the full blow, and you're not going to get ripped up, but you're still going to get right, the impact, right. right? And it's the impact that creates the brain. Right. It causes the brain to swish around in that liquid. Right. It's the impact of having the head being banged around a lot, which is going to cause that that difficulty to think straight. Right. So. Um, so, yeah, you're hitting the bag. You got to know where the other hand is to protect. You got to be able to see. You got to be able to understand where the where the drill is and where everything has to be. And you're doing it so many times that you start to feel a little bit more comfortable. You know, and you're, that's the key is to really understand it's, it's understanding it's being martially, martially mm. aware of your surroundings, being martially aware of how we're fighting the transitional footwork, right? Cause footwork is one of the most important things, right? I tell you that all the time and there's just a lot, there's a lot to understand. So what's those two guys names? that you said that watch your podcast or listen to your podcast all the time? Oh, we ha well, Matt is the first one. Matt's the, Matt's the dude in England. He's the, the letter carrier so, <laughs> who so trains Hungar. Matt from England, what's up, brother? <laughs> Keep your hung Hungar, right? Yeah. Keep your Hungar going. Uh, much love, much respect. Even though I don't know you, you're a martial brother. And who's the other guy? Another guy named Matt from Australia. Matt. Get what he trains. Matt. Other Matt. The other Matt from Australia. <laughs> from the other um, England. Yeah. The other so England. I have a guy, a friend of mine. His name is uh, Dan Tobias. And he's from Australia as well. And uh, we've been talking. I had him on our podcast a long time ago. Uh, but it was, it was great. So Matt from Australia. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, keep training, keep doing your thing, and you know, thanks for watching these guys, and thanks for uh, you know uh, being being dedicated to to listening and and growing yeah. your education. Thank you, thank you. Uh, in your experience, um, what sets our style of kung fu apart from others, and uh, what about compared to other martial arts in general sets sets us apart from other styles? Experience, it's experience, it's experience. The the teachers that were experienced that have taught me. 
my experience teaching you and my devotion and dedication to still training. Because at 51, most of these guys are wearing suits, sitting behind a desk and not doing anything. So even if I'm not teaching, I'm still on the floor mm. walking around. I'm still fixing people. I'm still active. I'm still part of the surroundings. I'm not in the background, mm -mm. you know? And that's the difference. The difference isn't which style is better because C4 Rule says it all the time, and I'm gonna give him credit for it, but it's not the style that makes the martial, art gr the martial artist great. It's the martial artist that makes the style great. So for me, it doesn't matter what you're training. It's just your dedication. It's your real dedication, not your make-believe dedication, your real dedication in what you do. So I think the only thing that separates us from other martial arts schools and our style and everything else, because really, you know, uh, you know it's, it's, it's just the training. Are you training? Are you living it? Is it part of your life? Is it just a hobby or is it a full-time, lifetime school and for me training is a lifetime school so you know i tried to keep you guys away from the political bullshit of tournaments and everything else because a lot of it nowadays is all political bullshit back then you got on the floor and you either fucked somebody up or you got fucked up and you either went home did your homework and fixed it so the next time you saw this guy or girl or whatever, who, you know, if, if you're female or whatever, uh, but whoever, whoever you fought up against, if you didn't better yourself and do your homework, then you did a, dis, uh, you did a disservice to your instructor, right? Mm. And that's what it was all about, mm. you know? And just because you can do well at tournaments, it doesn't mean that you're gonna do well out in the street. So I tried to, um, I tried to fix that, you know, in you guys and tried to show you that, you know, the road to being a UFC champion and everything else is, is really short-lived. And it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's, it gives you some good experience. It gives you some good experience. And it also gives you some bad habits, right? And it also, you know, and it's, you're not making any money. You're not making any money. You know, I was kickboxing. I, I did a couple, a couple of things for kickboxing. And... You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, this guy could fight, you know, blah, 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 blah. And right away they were trying to glom on me and want me to be a part of their, their stuff. But you know what? They were making the money. Right. The people behind the scenes were making the money. The fighters were just mules. The fighters were just bringing entertainment. You know, and back then, what were you making? $125 a round? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you were the pound of flesh for them. Yeah, dude, right. totally, man, totally. And, you know, I give all these guys credit. Anybody that gets in the ring, anybody that fights, anybody that fights out in the street, anybody that has the balls to get on the floor and demonstrate and show the material, kudos to you. I give you respect because most of these, most, 80% of these motherfuckers who are talking online and everything else have never got on the floor, who've never, ever, ever, they'll tell you, oh, that looks like bullshit. I watched this and I watched that. And the reality of it is, is that you don't fucking know. I'm very proficient for my and I hate to chair. say, yeah. I hate to say your opinion doesn't fucking count, but if I tell an, uh, uh, if I, if I tell an Air Force pilot that's been flying for fucking 30 years or 40 mm. years, oh, you know, you're not angling that plane correctly. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> really? Right. Yeah. You have no fucking opinion. And today, oh, everybody has an opinion. Everybody should be able to speak. Fuck that. If you, if you can't walk and chew gum at the same time, 
And you're just a book library type of a martial artist. Shut your fucking mouth. If you haven't got on the floor, if you haven't mixed it up, if you haven't, if you haven't pressure tested your shit, don't, don't give your opinion. Keep your opinions to yourself. Back in the 80s, you kept your opinions to yourself. Because mm. if you opened up your mouth and you pissed somebody off, they smacked you in the face. And guess what? After that, you kept your opinion. You kept your opinions to yourself. <laughs> you, you learned know? your lesson. You, you learned your lesson. For me, you know... I look at something and if I don't like it, I swipe. I don't even, I don't write anything. Mm. I don't give my fucking opinions. I keep my shit to myself. You know, I just swipe, just swipe, just swipe. And I won't like it. That's my opinion. Right. I won't like it. But to sit there and voice your opinion, like it really fucking matters. Like who gives a shit? Mm. You're still living down in, in mommy's fucking basement, jerking <laughs> off to fucking anime porn. <laughs> really? Really, oh, that's God. what you're doing, oh, my God. and you're gonna have an opinion about somebody with a weapon or somebody doing martial arts, right? <laughs> you're still, you know, you're still, you know, <laughs> anime porn, and you've got you've got shit to say. There is no shortage of armchair quarterbacks in the martial arts community, or, uh, anim- aren't even or in the anime community, porn, or <laughs> anime tits. There's yeah, no there's so many of all of them. Dude, totally. <laughs> we were in a surplus in, the, in today's yeah, era. Yeah, totally. People totally. just like to, people like to talk about themselves. People like to knock other people down, and they like to talk shit because they want to talk about who they are. Well, they feel all. They also, you know, so people throw their insecurities on other people, right? Right. So if they feel bad about themselves, they want you to feel bad. I. I was doing two finger pull-ups on a TikTok months ago, right? So I just put one up the other day. Um, but so I was doing these two finger pull-ups and this guy's like, oh, you only did three. You know, I could do that with no problem. I'm going to go to my UFC gym and, you know, I'm going to do them with this, that and the other thing. And I'm like, I'm like, so I'm, I'm happy for you, you know, but why are you, all I'm trying to do is just to promote right. myself and to show that at 51, that I'm still viable and I'm still working out and I'm still a beginner and I'm still training and I'm still bettering myself. So fuck you, right? <laughs> so, but he didn't even realize that I was doing two finger pull-ups. He just saw me doing pull-ups. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so funny. So, <laughs> beginner, so, at the, at, so at the end of our conversation back and forth, I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's sad that you've got nothing better to do but to sit here and try to belittle me because of your insecurities. So you yeah. have fun at your UFC gym and you know, blah, 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 blah. And then I checked, I checked cause, cause then I get heated. So now I'm checking my phone to see what next he's going to write. All right. <laughs> yeah. right. And then an hour later, takes your whole afternoon. It's gone. Uh, an hour later, he deleted all mm. of his, all of his remarks and deleted him, deleted himself from my page. Which I thought was really cool because he probably realized it was two finger pull ups and not regular fucking pull ups. He's like, oh, and I'm he a was, dick. Yeah, I'm a Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, like, he's yeah. like, oh, I didn't read the top section where it said two finger pull ups. I'm oh, a yeah. dick. <laughs> you know, because I don't know about you, but two finger pull ups are not fucking easy. No, no, you know? no, no, no. So, uh, no, it, it's people just like to, like you said, they like to put their insecurities yeah. on other people. Without I mean, that's like, that's like the like, that's like the dark matter of the internet. It's just 80% of it is insecurity. Yeah. It the really, other, the really, other 20% is tits. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 the other 20% is anime porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. It's just, it's, it's, you know, the modern, the modern era, especially like as a business owner, there's like that popular reel that's going around now where it's like, well, you know, I'm a business owner, so it means I need to also be a content creator, so here's the content. And it's like, it's true though. You have to promote yourself. You have to put shit online. You have to make an Instagram. You have to do something. So nobody is going to promote you better than yourself. No right? doubt. Unless... 
unless you're the rock and you have people that that you're paying to promote you right so and you know the rock is like one of my favorite people so <laughs> you know i'm not saying that in a bad way but i'm just saying you're not going to promote nobody else is going to promote you like you you know and that's why i'm always always online i'm always on instagram and i'm always on tiktok and i'm always on facebook and i'm always promoting yeah. something yeah and now guys we have every all of Seagong stuff is tagged in our uh, our link tree and at the bottom of every episode description we have yeah, the Shama Mohan website um, and his Instagram and TikTok is on everything so we really behoove you to look at the information and, and follow him and, and interact don't just follow and watch like yeah leave talk. comments dude because I answer people back I uh, I'm not I'm not like um I'm not like some of these guys that just don't answer back. Like if somebody's got a legitimate question, not like a bullshit question, but a legitimate question or they're, or they're interested and they say, wow, that's pretty cool. Thank you. I answer. I try to answer everybody back. You know, I try to not entertain the assholes. You know what I mean? I try not to entertain the assholes and I'm learning. It's taken me years because, you know, people, people on, on, on YouTube, you know, just people talking shit. And I'm like, well, my school's always open. So if you feel fucking brave enough and you feel fucking bold enough, come to the school, you know, but don't think it's going to be like we're going to put gear on and we're going to spar. Yeah. You know, you're fucking going home with law. You're going to be missing fucking teeth in your mouth <laughs> when I'm fucking done with you, you know, so. Especially if they're talking yeah, shit. Dude, yeah, dude. I, yeah. I, I, I had this one guy. I, I put up my Sanda seminar. I was all excited, all motivated. And this motherfucker got online and started berating Kung Fu and. He was doing that because he was he had trained in kung fu, and then he only did a little bit of it, and then he went to some UFC C school and got the sh got him he got shit canned, right? You know, and, he, and so he had insecurities about kung fu, right? So you know, kung fu sucks. You guys don't know how to fight this, that, and the other thing. Blah 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 blah. And he's all over my my Sanda page, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, who the fuck are you, right? So I started messaging him and he's not messaging me back and he's challenging me and I don't see anybody accepting my challenge. I go, and I'm not verbally accepting anybody's challenge. Dude, I'm 51 years old. If you come to my school, I'm putting you in the fucking hospital. If you're threatening me in my school, I, I'm, putting you, I'm putting you somewhere. You know, long story short, he started talking shit. I finally told him, look, message me on Instagram, uh, on, on, on Facebook, on Messenger so we could, I could call you and we could talk. So he messaged me back. And then we started talking. I'm like, dude, are you fucking crazy? Oh, you know, you know, I'll, I'll beat you in this round. And, you know, we could do three rounds and I'm going to beat you doing this and beat you doing that. I'm like, all right, so come on down to the school, sign a waiver. Why do I got to sign a waiver? I said, because you're going to the hospital when I'm fucking done with you. <laughs> That's why you're going to the fucking hospital. So I need you to sign a waiver so I don't get into trouble. Right. So. He was like, oh, yeah, that, that's not a problem. I'll sign a waiver. You know, you guys don't throw leg kicks and you don't do this and you don't do that. I go, leg kicks? I go, I throw leg kicks all the time. I go, dude, do me a favor. Go on my fucking page. Go on my Instagrams. Go on my YouTube. Go on my fucking TikTok. And then give me a call back in like 15 minutes. And you let me know. It's all out there. And the guy called me up 15 minutes later. He's like, dude, I'm so sorry. 
He goes, you know, nine out of ten people who do martial arts, they can't fucking fight. He goes, and I picked the one person who knows what the fuck they're doing. I'm really sorry, blah, 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 blah. He goes, quite, quite truthfully, you know, after like the first couple of verbal things. Yeah, I now, thought, now, now he's like, oh, quite, quite truthfully. Uh, I believe I the, fucked up, yes. <laughs> after, yes sir. He was like, you know, after the first couple, you know, arguments, we were going back and forth. I just thought you were going to block me, and then you didn't. So I just figured I'd go with it and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like. All right, dude. This guy's like in a room full of people getting off on on talking shit. Be like, oh look, I'm talking to this fucking idiot from New York. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. So yeah. and he, dude, he was he was right down the road. He was from Hempstead. Oh my so god. He wasn't oh far. man. Like, so, I does not know what he's so up so for. yeah. He was down the road, so it was kind of funny. So Sifu, you know, Sifu Lloyd got his address and everything else because he's like he's like. He's like Sherlock Holmes online, dude. It's going to roll up on him. Yeah, dude. So I told him. I was like, he called me back and we were talking. I'm like, yeah, dude, you know, my boy had your fucking address and everything else. And we were ready to fucking shoot down to your house. <laughs> I have no, puts the sunglasses I've got on. No, he turns the infinity on. Like, let's I, go. <laughs> I've got no fucking problem, you know. And it was just really, really funny. And he was like, no, dude, you know, I'm really sorry. And, you know, thank you for being such a gentleman about it. And this, that, and the other thing. You know, and uh, I was like, no problem. I said, if you want to come down to Friday nights, you can come down to Friday nights. Still fill out the waiver because that's what we always do. And, uh, you know, get on the floor and work out. I'm sure my guys would love to have you. And he's like, yeah, I don't think that's such a good idea. You know, my, <laughs> Mr. Girl, Sifu, my girlfriend thinks that you just want me to come down there so you could beat me up and this, that, and the other oh, thing. Oh, now my girlfriend. Yeah. My girlfriend won't let me come. Yeah, yeah, my so, girlfriend won't let me. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, no, dude, it's all good. So, you know, it, it, it ended up being good. He ended up being a really nice guy. It's just, you know what? It's just the internet just fucking takes you for a fucking loop, dude. It, it just brings out the worst in people. It really does. Oh it God. brings out the yeah. worst in people. Lose that, you lose that um, in-person connection. And we've always, we've always heard, you know, stories all the time of where, and this, of course, you can elaborate on this, is, is, you know, the stories of where in the past when there wasn't so much talk on the internet where you would hear something. I don't know if, if this was spoken about, but... Uh, you would hear something, you would go and check it out, and then you would see it for yourself. Right, yeah, like, like you'd, oh, some, so-and-so at this school is talking all this shit, so... Why don't we go down and we can figure it out and, and confront them directly? Be like, hey, so... So, see, back then it was not even internet. So, back then, I would show up at my teacher's school and he'd be like, get your bag, we're going. I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I was like, where are we going? Now, just like, to paint the picture for everybody who's listening, Shurjao, I think back in the day was like, what, like 140 pounds soaking wet, 130 pounds? 125 pounds, pounds dude. 120, yeah. he was, he was five foot, he's five foot three, maybe? You know, maybe five foot three, five foot four, 125 pounds. I've seen him. I'm knock, assuming. I've yeah, seen okay. him knock out 300 pound men. <laughs> I've seen him knock. I've seen him tell people what he's going to hit them with right before they go. And he knocks these motherfuckers out. So, you know, <laughs> it's I don't. Amazing. Yeah. You guys have no he's idea. doing the commentating while he's fighting. Yeah, you guys. If I had a time machine, that'd be the first you guys, place I'd go. I'd be in the guys, crowd. You guys have no idea. There was so many things that he would do to people. Dude, it was just so fucked up. And for, <laughs> me, and for me, it was awesome because that's what I grew up with. Right. That's what I grew up with. I was like, that's my teacher, man. Like, yeah. I was so proud mm. of who he was. When he fought, dude, people were scared of him. Like, we walked into tournaments and he was like, oh, that's... That's Moses' guys. Like, they knew mm -hmm. to fucking really be aware. And that's how we feel about you, honestly. That's how we feel yeah. about you. And that's, that's, that's yeah. one of the things, like, we have, we, um, we made an agreement with each other when we started this project, you know, that this, this podcast was going to be not just, I mean, obviously, great. It could be money, whatever. Who cares? That's not even the point. The point is that this was supposed to be an accountability project. That we have to, we have to be the people that we say we are. And it's another avenue for us to be able to, preserve your legacy and mm -hmm. this 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 thing that you've created because even even you know we're 
Right now, we record everywhere. We always tell everybody where we're recording. We're in the school right now. Yeah. We haven't even brought that we're up. In we're in the middle of the school, school, in the middle of the floor. I'm staring at all the lions, which we'd like to ask you about in a little bit. Where the altar's right behind us. This this is where it's all happened. This is where second home. This is where our whole journey has taken place. And even this is not just Shurjao's work or um, uh, Shurjao's teacher's work or Zongshur Creighton's work or Sifu Rule's work. This is you. This is everything that you've learned from Sifu Ao and everybody yeah. that you've learned from um, all culminated and put together. Mm-hmm. And it's it's you. It's your home. But it's also this... this um, it's a little mini Shaolin temple. It's a place where it, you go. It absolutely is. And you know what's funny is like the floor back there where the car is on... And the floor and the the walls. The wall over there. The walls that are made out of the wood, the plywood from the original school. Like we've brought the even the 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 little wall was from the originals. That wall was from the original original school in Farmingville. Like we've just moved shit from place to place. Like literally, we're gonna take this load bearing. You know, wall. like yeah, <laughs> as long as it wasn't a load bearing wall, we took it. Like the like the uh, non load bearing wall. Yeah, dude. Well, like the the, 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 the pictures, the yeah. pictures on the wall are from the original school in Farmingville. That's cheap Because I isn't took it? the fucking saws on. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm taking this fucking picture, you know. And I took the whole piece. So we left, and there were fucking holes in the wall because we took it. You know, I had told that story once, and one guy was like, he goes, you guys really, you know, from New York, you, you fucking keep something. You take it. It's, it's yours forever. I'm like, yeah, dude, you know, it's, I see something, I take it. I, I found our training log that we used. The log. That was originally wrapped all in uh, duct tape. That duct tape is 30 years old. Mm. <laughs> I found it on the side of the, I found it on the side of the, the road, and I'm like, fuck. I'm taking this. <laughs> so we stuck it in the back of the car, sticking out the fucking window. We brought it to the school and we used it for whatever we did, you know? Everything. So. And that's been that, like, just even something like that, just the ingenuity, you know? The, and I, I remember um, at the retreat last year, you had given us, I still have everything. I hope you guys do too. The, all the books and the paintings, yeah. yep. the, 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 the drawings and diagrams of the way that Shaolin practitioners would train. <clears throat> Excuse me the way the Shaolin practitioners would train. And, you know, there's things in there that people don't really necessarily realize is not so modern. Like kettlebells, for instance. Like, I do a lot of kettlebell exercises, and people are like, oh, why do you do kettlebell exercises? I'm like, the monks did kettlebell exercises. Yep. They made them out of cement. Yeah, cement yeah. and wood. Yeah. Or metal, or whatever they would make so it, it out of. Probably, it was probably wood. The handle yeah. was probably wood. So, so, and you know, you see diagrams of mm. it, and you see even in... Um, What's the movie? What's the movie where uh, it's a kung fu movie? I think it's a Jet Li movie. I think it might be not martial arts of Shaolin. The other one, Shaolin, Shaolin Temple, Temple, where they're like, "Master, we have to. The only way we can do this is to use deadly force." And he's like, "They're begging the master to let them like use their weapons and use deadly force because there's no other way they're gonna win." And in that segment of training, there's barbells. There's barbells and cement weights. Yes. So they lifted weights. They did all the yep. insanity and all the isometric exercises. Yep. They trained their bodies yep. and they trained their minds. And yep. even and even like like um, as far as I know, even like you know heavy bags and things yep. are just different jongs. Well, the yeah, jong is called the, the jong that you're talking about is called saba jong, right? Which mm. is which is the three. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a hanging bag jong, mm. and you would practice your techniques with these heavy bags. So yeah, there were heavy bags back then, and they used uh, heavy bags for for iron palm training mm-hmm. and for the back mm-hmm. of the hand training, you know? So it's uh, even on our jung, we have, you know, we use, uh, we don't use, 
We don't we don't use sandbags because I'm too fucking cheap. We use paper <laughs> from the uh, from the uh, Asian grocery store. So it's authentic. Yeah, right. yeah, well, yeah. Well, they didn't have duct tape. They didn't have duct tape back yeah. then, but you but know, we should post post a picture of that on the Instagram because you know everybody wants to have the newest and brightest and nicest stuff. But like all this shit you made. Yeah. People don't understand that like this is when, yeah. That's when, PVC. When, yeah, when, when, when we call this your creation, like we fucking literally mean. Your creation, like even the buckets that we train with, yeah. he screwed the shit together. Yeah, you know, like that's all between those buckets are older than me, and then the other buckets. I remember when Sarge. Well, that's when also Lasher because Sarge I didn't have them. any fucking money, and I was cheap as fucking cat shit. So <laughs> I didn't have the money to to buy the cool shit. So what did we do? Fucking make it. If we didn't, if we couldn't buy it, we made it. You know, the jong is made out of PVC, and it works out just great. You know, we bang on that thing all the time, and the, the paper is, is great. That's what they used back then is they used paper, you know, and as the paper wore through, you know, you got closer and closer to hitting the actual, you know, the mm. actual jong. So by the time you get to the jong, your You're knuckles hardened. already hardened for, you know, for that part of it. Again, so that's the first scene in martial arts of Shaolin. Yep. He's hitting the tree. Yep. He's hitting the tree with paper, with paper over it until all the paper is gone. The yep. jong has already taken Nick's hand. <laughs> so yeah. We already yeah, well, yeah. You know, I, and, Nick is Chris. Chris and is that's, Nick. Yeah, right. and that's that's partially my fault because I shouldn't have allowed him to. Well, that's not true either. I mean, every, I, I told everybody to be careful. So you be know. nice to the Jong, or yeah. it won't be nice to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I told. <laughs> he was everybody. testing himself. He 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 flat out said like I shouldn't have hit it that hard. Yeah. He knew. Yeah. So I mean, you know, shit happens. Play Sorry. stupid games, right? Win stupid yeah, prizes. Win stupid prizes, dude. I love. And that. he's a nice boy. He's I love a good that boy. Saying. He's Me a good too. boy. <laughs> So there's one aspect of the school that I've seen from social media posts, but uh, I haven't been a part of yet, but I'm very intrigued about it, is Lion Dance. Uh, so how did that come about? Like, where did it start? And are there reflections of Kung Fu within Lion Dance? Absolutely. So, um, so my first experience with Lion Dance is actually with Sifu Singhao. Uh, I got my first two lions. From No, no, nope, nope. My first experience... With was was uh, with uh, Zongshir, George Creighton. That was my first experience with the line dance. So we uh, he introduced me to a guy in Brooklyn that was making lions. Mm. So when my line was done, I went to this guy to pick up my lion. Actually, with uh, with one of the Seahings, uh, uh, Felix. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah. So we he brought me. We went there and we picked up this lion. And the guy who made it didn't speak English at all. And his daughter was there and she spoke English. So I walked in and we instantly, immediately introduced myself. We had tea. And he was said before, we were talking about martial arts and what style I train and everything else. And before he wanted to give me the line, he wanted to see mm. what I do. So here I am in Brooklyn doing a Kung Fu form in this guy's fucking living room. <laughs> <laughs> in his living room in That's his really crazy. tight living room in Brooklyn showing him our style and everything else and you know he was really happy and you know just really amazed that uh, you know that a white boy was doing you know his cultural martial arts you know and it was it was pretty cool it was interesting we had a great time we drank tea we laughed um, his daughter translated you know and that was my first experience and then Zongshur gave us a seminar on lion dancing so that was my first experience with line dancing. We had no drum. We had no gong. Uh, no, no, we did have a drum. We had a drum that Frank Yee 
uh, Frankie uh, is a famous hangar uh, stylist. He stuck his crane bill through the center of this drum. <laughs> That's so the insane. drum. Not what you want. So the drum was put together with like um, washers and everything else and tightened and it was fixed. But we had this shitty ass fucking drum that sounded like shit. We had no gongs, no cymbals. Uh, it, was, it was a fuck show. <laughs> it was horrible. It was horrendous. But that was our first lion dance. You know, that was our first getting into doing lion dance. And that was a long time ago, 28 years ago. So how, wow. how old were you when you first, like how, or how far into martial arts were you introduced to? I, well, that was in my dance. school. So when oh, my okay. school was up and running, I think the first year my school was up and running, I wanted to do a lion dance. And that was, that was, that was it. It was fucking crazy. Uh, how were you introduced to Sifu Sang Ao? So that came out, actually, that came a little later, right? So that came, like, I think a year later after. So we were doing Lion Dance, and I was really excited about it and wanted to learn more about it. Um, my teacher brought, introduced me to Sifu Singao, who primarily we were learning uh, what was called the Sherpat Lohangung, which is the 18 hands of Lohan, which is our Qigong, right? And that's where all of, all of our Gong Fu comes from. All of the Lohan comes from is the Lohan Gong, is what the what Damo had taught the monks um, mm. for breathing and stretching exercises, and then later turned into Lohan Chuan, which became the more younger version and more uh, martial version of, of our martial arts, right? So um, that's what I primarily was learning from Sifu Singao, was the, the internals, the, the Qigong, that after, after I finished learning the material from my teacher, I did it the right way. My teacher invited another teacher to teach me more, right? That's how it goes. You don't just go to another school and learn. Your teacher brings you to somebody else. Yeah, loyalty, dedication. That's what it's about, right? So I can't stress that enough. Um, so Sifu Singao also was, he's been doing line dance for forever. And as he was teaching the, um, the Qigong and everything else, he noticed we had a line and he asked if this is something that I'd like to continue, and I said yes. And then uh, I flew out to Hawaii, and the minute I got off the plane, I was already underneath a lion doing a show. Amazing. <laughs> Never, ever played lion before, but I was playing the tail. So that was my first experience of, of lion dance. Imme Sounds familiar. Yep. Im yep. Immediately just got <laughs> yeah. thrown. Well, where do you think I get it from, right? Yeah. So I got thrown into doing lion dance immediately. So... Uh, it was it was neat. It was a really neat experience. And then from there, you know, I learned to to you know to do my basics, to learn the uh, the routine, to practice your basics, and that all aligns with your gung fu. So if your gung fu sucks, your line dance is gonna suck. But if your gung fu is good, your line dance ends up being really really good, right? So you learn how to animate, but it's the stance work and the jumping and your martial awareness that all comes into play of doing line dance. So it's like any kind of addiction, you know? We started with one lion, and then we got two, and then we got three, and then we got four, and then we had seven, you <laughs> it's know? It's like big Kung Fu Funko Pops. <clears throat> you know, and then, you know, we've got, <laughs> we've got two cymbals, we got the gong, we've got, you know, so, and then we learned, I learned how to play through the years. Mm. You know, I'm not a, uh, I'm not an instrument player, per se, but I can play lion dance drum. You know, but I don't know how to do anything else. You know, I can't drum and talk at the same time. I can only use, 
you know, visual cues <laughs> with my eyebrows and my so eyes. So we're always looking at my, you when we're yeah, you know, running and, around uh, to finish. I could say short bows while I'm drumming, where it's just a regular drumming. Three short yeah, bows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got to keep extra but, drumsticks. But other than that, I can't yeah. have a conversation while I'm actually, you know, that my brain doesn't work like that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was. it's definitely been an interesting road, but lion dance is very important. And every Gung Fu school should be doing lion dance. And if you're not, you're doing a disservice to the culture because lion dance was a big part of the martial arts because uh, instead, of, instead of fighting schools, fighting each other, they would compete with doing lion dance. And that was the next best thing. Because if you had good lion dance, you had good Gung Fu. Mm. There was no way to hide it, really. Now, um, is it fair <clears throat> to say, in your opinion, that um, the mo- more modern lion dance that's out there, where it's very acrobatic, you could compare and contrast that to the to same wushu. way that like wushu yeah. was compared yeah, to wushu, to, absolutely. So modern day, they have lion dance troops that strictly just do lion dance. So they're very they're articulate with the lion. The lion looks very alive and everything else. But the martial aspect of it, where certain stances have been taken out, and it's just more of this happy lion jumping from and they don't get me wrong these guys are unbelievable oh yeah but Crazy. it's not traditionally it's not done traditionally you know that's all gone like all the platform work you yeah, know all it's the all, platform it's all it, that's work. all gone that's all gone right so you know originally it was very martial and then just like everything else in life it gets taken out and gets mm. watered down and you know not that it not that it makes it bad right because wusha stylists are athletes they're great athletes crazy athletes. right they're crazy athletes but to have these guys, and don't get me wrong, right? So in the, in the schools in China, you know, they have the wushu schools. They have the school of Sanda, and they have the school of the wushu forms, right? And in my looking into it, there are a lot of guys that do the wushu that also do the Sanda. They fight and they do wushu. But not a lot of them. Not a lot of them. No, not very, very the, few. Not on the grand scheme of things. Right. You know, so it's, you know, it's, it's communist run. So they look at you and go, okay, you're good enough to do kung fu. You're good enough to do the wushu forms. Right. Right. You suck at wushu forms. We're sticking you with sanda. So you better be good at sanda. Right. And that's what they do. And, and that's kind of how it goes. You know, you get picked, mm. um, you know, back then. And I don't know how I don't know how uh, the Asian community feels about martial arts. But in general, if you are a martial arts instructor or you're doing martial arts, you're considered stupid. Because you couldn't be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that mm. or a scientist. So you're doing wushu. Wow. So, you know, well, I jocks in America, too. You know, it's, it's, it's the same. You know, well, I, I had a student. I had a student of mine that was training for, with me for years. He ended up moving to China and coming back and he had a Chinese wife and his wife would give him grief and shit because she was like, oh, you know, wushu is for stupid people. You shouldn't mm. do it. And that was the stigmata, you know, and I'm like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because very unexpected. Well, and you know what? And because you have to remember, right? So Asians make up one quarter of the population of the world, hmm. right? They're breeding monsters, <laughs> right? They make up one quarter, one quarter. A certain, you know, Asians make up one quarter of the population of the world. Now imagine if all these people stood up against the government. Do you think the government would be communist anymore? No. Not at all, right? So so what happens was is the communists took away the martial out of the martial arts and created wushu. It's neutered martial arts. That's exactly what they did. But I'm not saying 
you know, it's it's a, it's a it's a treasure of of the martial arts. Wushu is is a treasure. It's beautiful. It's awesome, and it gives you a hint of what used to be, right? But it's lacking. It's lacking the martial application, and that's why they started really pushing Sanda, because it at least brings back some balls. I see. Just even yeah, I see. Just even the way we 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 practice even with like just say broadsword for instance you know like they use the foils and the foils have no weight to them yeah and they just and they're just but they're flying it around and it's really more about the noise it's making yes almost like a baton the noise and speed of their movement not so much what they're doing and why they're doing it but again it's eye candy it's sizzle and people's minds are blown when we start teaching them spear and then like, you know, okay, get through the movements. Okay, great. Now, what direction is your blade traveling in? Oh, yes. What? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, what do you mean? I gotta, the blade, blade turns or is it on yeah. an angle when you I got to know where the cutting blade of this yeah, thing yeah, is yeah. as I'm spinning it around. Yeah, like, exactly. what the fuck, you know? Yeah. Now, the, another question I wanted to ask for you, um, ask of you is, uh, in your opinion, what do you, what, cause, okay, let me rephrase this. I hear a lot of people ask me. It's great what you do. It's cool, but what's the point of learning a guanda? What's the point of learning a monk spade or a three-section staff? Like you had said, like you're never going to be carrying that around. So, what? What in in the modern day? What for you is the reason to train with these weapons? Mind-body connection. Also, all the weapons that you learn, you should be able to dissect and and utilize it for hand fighting sets and hand fighting self-defense as well. It's no different, right? So you should be able to take a guandao, understand the fighting applications of a guandao, and be able to break that down and use some of those techniques as fighting drills and be able to be martially applicable for that. Also, if there was something on the ground that I can utilize as a moving guandao on the floor, you know, something on the side of the road, something happens, you know, I can grab something and utilize it so it's being, you know, as long as you are martially aware and you're able to uh, use, you know, be able to, to, to use these weapons, you should be able to use your surroundings and be able to defend yourself as well, right? So it's just all about gaining skills, right? Gaining skills. What does Kung Fu mean, right? Kung Fu means, you know, skills earned through hard work. And that's what we're doing. We're earning it through hard work. But, you know... If I pick up a pen, I'm going to kill you with it. <laughs> if I pick up a book, I'm going to kill you with it. Right. If I pick up a stick off the floor, if I find something metal on the floor, you're fucked. Right? You're definitely and dead. It's, <laughs> but again, again, though, why? It's because I'm not scared of picking up a weapon and utilizing it. I already know how that's going to feel by moving it around because I've trained with other weapons. So it's not useless. That's ignorant. Right? Ignorant people say stupid shit. And that's what it's all about. And there's so much, there's more ignorance. There's so much ignorance in the world. You know, it's, it's a disease. Ignorance is really a disease. And if we don't educate the public, which what you guys are doing right now, and what I do with my podcast and teaching martial arts and go on social media. Talk real, get real. Follow yeah. them on YouTube. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, thanks for the plug. Um, Shameless plug. Yeah. If you... Uh, you know, if, if you're not bettering yourself and you're not, if you're not evolving education, right? If you're not evolving your education, if you're not becoming better every day, if you're not being a better you every day, you're wasting your life. Mm. You really are. And it doesn't necessarily mean martial arts, right? Do what, do in your heart will make you a better person every day. Martial arts is not for everybody. Well, martial arts is for everybody, but not everybody is for martial mm. arts. And that's what I say all the time. 
and John that's, quotes you constantly. With yeah, that. and yeah. it's it's true. You know, I say it all the time. Martial arts is meant for everybody, but not everybody's meant for martial arts. And that's people a fact. Like, and people are like, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any <laughs> fucking sense. And I say, well, think about it, right? So martial arts is made for every human being. But as you human grow movement. up and experience, it might not be made for you. You might think it's made for you, right? And then you get smacked in the mouth, and then you don't want to do it no more, right? Mm. So it's it, it all depends on your your upbringing. It all depends on your experience. I right? Uh, it looks it looks like we're approaching uh, the last few minutes. I did want to ask one more question. You think I got time to ask? Yeah, absolutely. Or? I was going to say let's ask our final questions and start wrapping it up. Cool. Um, so another thing that's kind of shrouded in a veil of mystery to some that there is a lot of ignorance to uh, that I have a fascination with is drunken style, drunken boxing. Uh. You take all, you you were totally mind connected today because that was the question I've had in my back pocket. I've been trying to ask for the past. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Amazing. it's. I love it. So, what's the it, main question? It's the secret sauce. So, uh, when did you first learn it, uh, and how is it present in the school and in your training? So, I, uh, my teacher saw my ability and wanted me to start early. So he was showing me form. He was showing me understanding of it. So I started at a really early age, 13, 14, 15, You know, that's when everything started coming into play you know uh three section staff all the cool shit you know after three years of training then he started showing us all this other stuff and you know drunken was a part of that so you know i'd say like you know 15 16 you know that's where i really started to really enjoy it um and then i started to build on that and i started to uh you know my teacher started showing us blocks and drills and everything else and i started to build on it i started to evolve it started to grow you know and I would watch people do wushu forms, and I'm like, they're not even doing any techniques. They're just, you know, acting drunk and falling all over the place. And drunken has been such a misunderstood, drunken boxing has been such a misunderstood martial art, right? And mostly because it's a mimicry style, and people just, you know, they fall all over the place, they do detons, they do jumping around and then they'll pause for a second with their fingers in the cup position and then they go around and they fall and they do flips and then they stop again and hold the picture and then they make believe they're drinking and then all of a sudden they're 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 drunken masters you know and then you know they spar and they get the shit kicked out of them and and you know and and then gung fu gets a really bad name and drunken style is very weak and it, it, it it's not really useful and bullshit you know what i mean i fight with it i fought with it to me, it's, it's very useful because I applied it. I pressure tested the techniques that I do and that I teach. So if you're learning a form and all you have is the cup hand, you ain't doing shit. Because there are fists, there's open palms, there's backhand slaps, there's what we call um, uh, uh, pressure hands, you know, you know or um, what we call ocean palms, where they're nice and loose, loose techniques. There's... Uh, the spear fingers, there's um, the hook, which is the opposite side mm. of the uh, drunken cup. Uh, there's inverted punches, there's palm strikes, there's inverted palm strikes, you know. So if you're not doing any of that shit, dude, you're fucking making shit up and you're doing bullshit. You're doing Jackie Chan bullshit. And mind you, there's two different forms of drunken. You know, you have, well, there's many different styles of drunken, but you have a, a Taoist version and a Buddhist version of it. And ours is more of a Buddhist version of it because it's more from Shaolin. Uh, there's other versions which are more Taoist, which is the Eight Immortals, which you see with Jackie Chan, right? So that's more of the Jackie Chan stuff. Uh, but what we do is called, uh, so our, our form is called Lohan uh, Sui Shen, which is a Lohan drunken boxing, right? But what I've created, because 
in all the years of doing drunken boxing, <clears throat> I've only were able to show a handful of people the form because they can't do the form because it's that difficult to do, right? So you can take stuff out of the form and then it just, it, it loses the whole form, right? So I created something called Sugulohan Chuanxian, right? Or Suishan, right? So Sugulohan Suishan, which is the small Lohan drunken boxing. And it's a smaller set. It's a form, but it's a smaller form. It's a younger form. So it's a form that everybody can do. And it gives you the basic foundations of drunken boxing. And that was something that I just took out all the other stuff that was so difficult and left the stuff that people can, can work mm. and the fighting drills within the form that you can dissect and utilize for, for martial purpose, right? So that's what I tell people. If you look like you're overly drunk, most likely you're doing a wushu form. Mm. If you're doing something that you look slightly drunk, then you're on the right track. There I hope, hope that uh, hope that helps. And Ed and that I was excellent. Beautifully, and beautifully. Uh, Ed and I, during sparring, have been on the opposite end of that track many times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I apply it, right? So how do you guys... You guys can't learn if you don't see it applied mm. during pressure and during an organic situation, right? So if it's not being applied, I could teach you till the cows come home, but it doesn't make any sense. And mm. at that point, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. There's no pressure in your pressure testing. Yeah. And yeah, so... I've, so, I've, I've fought my black sashes. I fought outside using drunken, and it works. It works. It just all depends yes. on when to apply it and when not to apply it. And I think that's also, from the student's perspective, what keeps, and I'm sure, I'm sure you've probably had a similar experience in, in, in sparring your teachers or the, or the higher ranks, and you're like, man, how, I'm just getting, how they fucking hit me with all this stuff? You know, like I'll, yeah. you know, and I'm like, God damn. Like it's, and, you, and, it, and it gets the wheels turning, and it just keeps you like hungry, where you're like, even, what is... Even the, even the strength from the low stances, you know, and everything that we train. Right, right. Anyway, uh, I think it's about that time to wrap it up, so just in a moment we're going to do that. Uh, but Sigong, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. This uh, Essentially, in, in a way, arguably, you're the reason this podcast exists. And, uh, thank you, everybody. <laughs> so thank you for being guest. It was, it was a real pleasure. And uh, yeah. Yeah, this has been the Marshall Mind Podcast. Yeah.